Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 1028. Today, we're going to begin to dig a little deeper. That's right. We have learned something of the mysteries of God, and those will do us well when we get to the New Testament and begin to pull it all together as we go from the old to the new to the new to the old, because all of it is one book. Yes, they are different time periods. There are different covenants. We will go over all of those things, but we've got to get a good foundation. Paul told his young son in the faith, Timothy, he said, I want you to be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, the word rightly divide is a compound Greek word made up of two words. One is the word ortho in our language, usually associated with something that needs to be straightened or fixed. For instance, paired with the word dantic or dantas, and it is the word that means straight. So a orthodontist is one who straightens teeth because the word don is the word for teeth in that context. And so it's a teeth straightener. You say, well, why don't they just say teeth straightener? Well, any orthodontist will tell you if you do that, then you can't charge as much money. Now, of course, I'm being facetious, but the reality is many of the words that we have in our medical vocabulary and in our medicine cabinet as a whole are words that come directly from Greek or Latin. And that is why if you're going to study medicine or study law, you will have to become somewhat acquainted with Latin. And so the same thing is true with Greek. And the New Testament was written in Koine Greek, not the classical Greek of Homer, like the Iliad and the Odyssey, but it was the common everyday language. That's why it's called Koine, K-O-I-N-E, with an apostrophe, an accent mark over the E, Koine. And so it is the common language of the people. This is why many of you who use the King James Version of the language and you think it is some kind of special language, well, that may be true, but the reality is that the King James language was the common language of the day. Latin, the same thing. Jerome, in the 300s, translated the scriptures into Latin for the people, and it was called the Vulgate, V-U-L-G-A-T-E. And that is the idea of not being vulgar in the sense of talking nasty and dirty, but it was vulgar in street language. It was the common language of the day. And so many of you don't like the common language versions today, like the NLT, the New Living Translation, which is a dynamic translation. It's not a word-for-word translation, but many times it will translate a thought and try to give you the common sense behind it. But even that is based upon the words of the Scripture. 
All to say, that's for another podcast as well. But I want you to understand that when you get into the Word of God, there are divisions of the Bible. And we're going to learn that as we really get into dividing the Word of God. But the word that Paul uses is ortho, and then the word timnos, or timno. And it is the word which has to do with cutting something. So Paul said, cut it straight apportion it correctly, rightly divide. That's a great translation, by the way, that the King James has, rightly dividing the word of truth, because the word of God is sectioned, and we need to understand that. There are certain sections that deal with history, primarily historical narratives. There's other parts that deal with prophecy, and they have apocalyptic language to them. Some are poetry. And in our English Bible, which is taken from the Greek Septuagint, which was about 250 years or so before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the Septuagint was the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures so that the common language of the day, Greek, Koine Greek, the people could read the Bible. And Ptolemy, one of Cleopatra's progenitors, he is the one that commissioned that and the Jewish rabbis to put that together and the scribes, the sophers, to put that together. That's where we get the Septuagint. And that That is the order of the Bible that we have today in our English Bibles. We don't use the Hebrew divisions of the Old Testament. We use the Greek, and that's why the first books in the Bible, all five of Moses in our Bibles have Greek names. Ganao, Genesis, the beginning, book of beginnings, origins, echodas, the way out, Ek uh, is the preposition out of. Hodas is the word for way or path or road. And so echodas, arithmoi, that's the word for numbers. Leviticum, that is having to do with the tribe of Levi and the priestly tribe. Deutero, nomos, deutero is the word for second, and nomos is the word for law, or it's the rehearsal of the law before the children of Israel went over into the promised land and crossed the Jordan, and so he rehearsed the law with them because he was going to be leaving them. He was going to have to turn everything over to Yehoshua. Joshua, his servant. Now, I'm telling you this because this is how we rightly divide the Word of God. We have to understand it. You say, well, that's a lot of technical. Just give me Jesus. Well, before we get to Jesus, we have to understand how we got to Jesus. Otherwise, we'll have a Jesus of our own making and not the Jesus that was prophesied. You see, that's going on a lot today in many circles. Everybody wants to be like Jesus, but we've got to have a biblical Jesus and not a Jesus of our own making, or we're warped and sick. Jesus that only deals with love and does not ever deal with discipline and judgment is not a Jesus of the Bible, a Jesus that always deals with mercy and never with justice and righteousness. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. This is very important. And so we're going to rightly divide the Word of God. And in order to do that, we have to understand. So I'm going to give you some very basic statements that will help you to be in good stead as you interpret the Scriptures. Now, you take these with the five principles that I gave you, the five guidelines. Some would call them rules. They're actually not rules. They're just guidelines that will help you to understand the Word of God. Remember, we did that back a few podcasts ago when I talked 
talked about the Holy Spirit living in you. He is your teacher and he uses men. He uses all kinds of ways to get the word of God into us, but it's all centered around the words of God. And I talked about if the plain sense makes sense, let that be the sense, lest it all become nonsense. Those guidelines. So let me just make some statements that will help you here. First of all, the Bible is a Jewish book. It is written by Jews to Jews, primarily for Jews. That's right. Now, that wrinkles many in the West, starting in Europe and coming to the United States, because we have the idea that English is the primary language of the apostles. And, you know, I'm being facetious, but you talk with people and they think that we've come up with everything. Well, the Bible's not a European book. It's a Middle Eastern book. It's a Jewish book. And it was written by Jews, almost exclusively by Jews. Luke is the only author that we know that's a Gentile. And he understood Jewish culture and he understood background. After all, he traveled with a Jewish man who knew the Tanakh, the law of the prophets and the writings, pretty well. He was called Saul of Tarsus to begin with, and then he was the apostle Paul. And Luke went with him from the time that Paul came to ancient Troy, called Troas in the Bible, and he was his personal physician from then on. So he was with him every day. When everyone else forsook him, Luke was still with him. And so all I'm saying to you is that the Bible is a Jewish book. So if we're going to understand the Bible, naturally we have to understand it through Jewish eyes. Now let me make a statement that I believe is really the thesis that we need to build upon and understand, and here it goes. This is very, very important. Every Bible writer from Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible, so every Bible writer from the beginning, to John, who wrote five books in the New Testament. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Then he wrote the Revelation, the last book in the Bible. So every Bible writer, from Moses to John, assumed, very, very important word, assumed, they believed, they trusted that the people to whom they were writing understood the language. They understood how to read what was being written. They understood the language when someone would read it to them or read them a letter. They understood. So every Bible writer from Moses to John assumed that the people to whom they were writing understood the language. They assumed they understood the history and the historical setting. They understood that they were living in a certain time frame and epoch in history, and they knew the surroundings of the historical events. Every Bible writer assumed that the people knew the geography. If they said such and such place, they assumed that the people knew where that was. In other words, they didn't give explanations for the historical setting. They didn't give explanations many times for the geography, unless there was a particular point that they wanted to make. Now, this is very important. I'll sum it up in a moment, but listen to these particular points. Every Bible writer from Moses to John assumed, believed, trusted that the people to whom they were writing understood the language. They understood the historical setting. They understood the geographical setting and the cultural context, which is so critical for understanding the language, not just in its etymology, its root meanings, which many people do. They'll say, well, the root of this means this and another. Well, the root is important, but it's not all important because there is another factor in understanding and interpreting language correctly, and that's usage. How it was used, yes, in the beginning when it was first made, but we're talking about several thousand years for the Bible. 
And we're talking about at least 1,500 years from the time that Moses wrote the book of Genesis. By the way, that had been handed down verbally, down through time. From the time that Moses wrote the Word of God from 1450, 1446, down to, he probably wrote it around 1400, something like that, or 1406, rather, and wrote most of it, I think, just before he died in that period when he was in the last year or two of his life and wrote down these events all the way through the New Testament era, which the last book would have been written at the end of the first century when John was on the island of Patmos. So every Bible writer from Moses to John assumed that the people to whom they were writing understood the language. They understood the historical setting. They understood the geographical setting. They understood the cultural context of the day. So this is a very important point, and I'm going to put it all together here. Every Bible writer from Moses to John assumed that the people to whom they were writing understood the language, the history, the geography, and the cultural context. That's the thesis statement that you need to understand that will help you to understand the Bible because the Bible being a Jewish book, you have to understand it through Jewish eyes, not through Western eyes, not through how, well, this is what we are. And let me give you an example of that. When the writer of the book of Hebrews said the word of God is quick and powerful, it's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, who was he writing to? He was writing to the Hebrews. It's the most Old Testament of the New Testament books. Well, he's talking about a priest's fillet knife. He's talking about a two-edged knife that would be thrust into the sacrificial animal, and they would apportion God's part, they would apportion the priest's part, and then they would apportion their part. Almost all offerings, all offerings except the whole burnt offering, was apportioned in three. God got the first and the best part. Then the Levite got a part. The priest got a part. And then the offer got a part of an animal or grain or whatever it was so that they could have a sacred meal with their family and with their neighbors and so forth. But it was always that case except for the whole burnt offering, which was totally consumed by God. This makes sense, for instance, in Romans chapter 12, where he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a whole burnt offering, an offering that's acceptable unto God. In other words, God says, crawl up there on the altar and give me everything you are. God doesn't want a piece of your life. He wants your whole life. Jesus doesn't want to be a part of your life. He wants to be your life. And so this is very important that we understand this thesis to begin with, that language matters, that history matters, that culture matters, that geography matters. And the assumption in the Bible is that everyone knows the language, everyone knows the historical setting, everyone knows the geographical setting. And everyone knows the cultural setting. And when an idiom is used, everyone knew what that idiom meant. Or Jesus or Isaiah or Amos or John would not have used it if it was just mystifying the people and they didn't know what it was. After all, that's why you use illustrations is to let light in. But if they don't understand the illustrations, which we do not many times in the West, that's where confusion comes in. 
all to say, all I'm going to have time to deal with today in this Digging Deeper episode here and these two or three podcasts that's going to help us for the future in understanding the Bible is this. The Bible is a Jewish book. It is written by Jews to Jews, primarily for Jews, primarily for Jews, not just for Jews, but primarily for Jews. Most of the Bible is addressed to Jews, period. And every Bible writer from Moses to John assumed that the people to whom they were writing understood the language. They assumed it, that they understood the language, the history, the geography, and the cultural context of the day. Well, that's all for today for On The Way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.